Hello everyone, welcome back to Let's Take a Moment. This is the podcast where we delve into a productivity or well-being topic that I hope you find interesting. Please do subscribe so that you are notified when I publish a new recording for you to listen to. And thanks for listening in today. So the topic of today's, um, well actually I should probably go back and say that I've reached a point after doing these for a year where I scratch around for ideas and quite often I come across something that's going on in my own life and I think oh that would make a good a good uh, podcast for let's take a moment so I'll hoi that on sometimes I just do a sort of a roundup a general chat um, but on this occasion I went on the internet and I put in you know ideas for podcasts and I found one and I really liked the the title so this is kind of a borrowed title which is going beyond your to-do list and I quite like the idea of that so I thought I would do a chat about it and it sort of fits into a few things that have happened this week. So I'm going to take the the usual musical interlude and I would invite you whilst that's on to either pause the podcast or just take a couple of seconds to think about what I might mean by that. I'm not even sure I know myself at this point, but uh, what that might mean, how you deal with your to-do list, like what's your actual mechanism, which I'll go through in a second in terms of how I do it and all the things surrounding that that may prove interesting. So We'll take a moment now, just so you can have a think about that, and then we'll get into the meat of the subject. So thanks for listening so far, and don't go anywhere. We're going to look very closely at going beyond our to-do list. Now, what I mean by that is dealing with all of the external factors to do with the to-do list, like how do you prioritise which order to do things in? How do you manage the stress around having lots of things to do? But of course, I want to talk first about the list itself and what it looks like and why you need to have one. Now, why you need to have one is fairly self-evident, I think, in that if you don't have one, you're going to forget something. And we live in a world where you could do 99 things really well to time, effectively, efficiently, quality work. And of course, work will be grateful for that, but you make one glaring, stunning omission And that's going to be what gets focused on and where you get feedback on how better to manage your time. Even though you've done it right loads of other times, the sad reality is that that's going to be what people remember. So it falls upon all of us to get into the detail because we all know that if we take a slapdash approach, we'll get most things right. None of us are stupid. We can get the majority right, but things are going to get missed. Things are going to slip through the net. And that's what we want to avoid. So having an effective system of recall, basically, because all you need it to do is to remind you to do something, to make sure that as long as you check this particular list, wherever it is, you're going to know what has to be done and you're not going to miss anything out. So the first part is that as you come across tasks, you have to discipline yourself to add it to your list, wherever that is. Now, I've used in the past a variety of methods and sometimes concurrently, uh, I use a board on the wall that I write things on and have like a wet wipe that can remove them as I do them. I've used a written exercise book, and I've used um, I've used a word document. I've used a spreadsheet. However, that I found the most effective way for me is using um, a, a sort of dual system 
in my Microsoft Outlook email account. So that's the that's the system we use at work. <clears throat> and what I do is, as I have a task that needs to be done, let's say, for example, I have to do, um, obviously I had to update a stakeholder spreadsheet for a client. So they'd emailed me and said, this is what we'd like you to do. So I flagged that email, goes into your taskbar as your, t- you know, flagged emails on today. And I renamed the task to update client spreadsheet, marked it red, and it's sat in today. And that meant that had to be done today. For example, on the, and then using, you can mark emails for flagging next week. Now, the next week's emails will be colour-coded per client. So let's say, for example, I'm looking across the road here as I'm sitting doing this podcast at, it's a shutdown business now called Wellington Dental Centre. I would mark them as a category of, say, purple. Um, and then if they had sent me, say, a year's forward plan for the strategy, then I would flag that email colour code it purple and put it in that file so I had access to those now obviously I would download the documents to make sure I had them in the client file on my computer so you've just got to be thinking like how can you get quick recall because actually I find that a lot of time gets wasted in hunting around for things so let's say for example someone I got an email from a client about housing the other day and I've been sort of chasing them for a little while on you know what sort of work do you want from me and is there any way we can do... I don't want to hear the, the rain here. It's just starting to pound the car. Um, and I've been chasing them for work saying, you know, there's different areas that I've been waiting to hear from you on. This is what I'd like to do on this one. And they came back with an email that basically went through everything. Added, you know, with a classic red text, added their comments. And I needed to keep a hold of that email. So I've colour-coded it with the client number and I've put it in that reference list. Because... It, if I didn't, then that would go into the email. I know who it's from, so I would search for their name. All the emails that sent me had come up, and I've found that most people don't use good subjects in their emails. Always make sure you do that. And you, the search function's okay, but it's hard to find. Um, I've found if it's in the body of the email, it's harder. So you need to have your subject really tight, and it'll be a lot easier. And I can spend sort of 10 minutes hunting for the email before I even do anything. And that's a valuable 10 minutes because for me, getting work done is about efficiency and, and frankly, speed. You want you need to find, I like to think that I don't want to spend any more time on a task than what is required to do a good job of it. So I don't want to spend an hour on it when it could take half an hour because the people who manage your diary at work or, the, or that manage your workload and capacity at work they'll be analysing how much time you should be spending on a task based on what they consider to be their required level of competency. Let's say, for example, I'm writing a, a briefing, because I do, as you know, public affairs, so I'm writing a briefing about a politician. Work would expect me to spend a certain amount of time on that and no more time than that. So they wouldn't thank me for spending eight hours on it. They would expect me to have that done, I would guess, probably in about an hour. So when they're thinking about work that, that I'm doing, when I'm putting in my timesheets at work, which we have to do, I'm putting an hour on for that. They wouldn't expect me to spend an hour and a half on it or two hours on it. So if I have to spend 10, 15 minutes, now they, and by saying that they expect me to spend an hour on it, they're accepting that it's an hour's worth of work. But what they're not expecting is half an hour of searching for the email because I lost it. So that's, that's on me to, to make sure that I'm being efficient. 
Otherwise, you're going to encounter problems where they're going to keep giving you work that you should be doing, and then eventually you're into a difficult conversation about why are you behind, why is deadlines not getting met, blah, blah, blah. And ultimately, and this is where maybe some of my work stress comes from, I'm aware that even with training and even with support that you're about to get from your company, and then they should do that, there's ultimately a level of competency that you're getting paid for that you've got to get to. You've got to be at least as good as they need, or frankly, there's there's a disconnect between your suitability for the job and their probably willingness to give you it. So when I talk about going beyond our to-do list, we need to think about, you know, this type of thing, you know, skills. But in terms of having the list and what it looks like, I'm not too worried about it. I think it's better to have a list that is readily accessible. So I know, for example, I've got a two-screen system. Highly recommend it. You'll never go back. Trust me on that. It's fine. It's actually, it's impossible to go back. It sounds like I'm being glib. I'm not. You try working on two screens on on a desktop system, go back to one screen, you feel cramped, you feel weird. So yeah, definitely two screens is the way to go. Make that investment, you will not regret it. Um, so on one screen, I've pretty much always got my emails up um, and I'm watching what comes in, I'm reading them and I'm, I'm always filing my to-do list, trying to keep on top of stuff. And frankly, mistakes still happen. You know, I still occasionally, you know, randomly just get an email going, What's, where you at with this one? And I'm, you know, screeching and then email back. Yeah, just just on with that now. And then it gets brought forward. So I think it's important to say you can get too fixated on it as well. And it's always vital if you if you buy into the system, you have to trust it. And I, and I use the analogy of a sat-nav in a car. And we've all had this where, and this is one of my like pet peeves actually, where someone's driving along the road and you've got the sat-nav on the car. And I've got a Datsia now, so I use my phone. And my phone's sitting in the sort of media control, which is basically just a holder. And it's driving along, and it says, take the next left. And some idiot will always say, if you're in the car, oh, that's not the quickest way, go right. And you, and what I always say to them, and, and is, it's sort of a similar analogy you can use on your to-do list. I say, look, it might save us a minute, but I'm just going to trust where it's, te- where it's taking me here. I'm just going to go with it. it. Might not be the quickest way, but it will get us there, and it will get us there at that time. It's on the, the the description there. Probably a bit slower because I'm not the fastest driver, but I'm quite happy just to go along with it. And yeah, if I lived in the area, there's that little shortcut down that little back road that you'd you'd take. But I like to know where I am. I like to drive on a decent road, and I don't like to be doing a dodgems. I remember a friend of mine we were going to a football game when I was managing Sunday League. And I was following my sat-nav and he said, oh, mate, take this this right turn. It goes down this like sharp incline. But it gets you, it'll save like five minutes off the, off the journey. But we weren't late. But of course, I, I took the right. And we went down this, and I'm not kidding. It was one of the sharpest like banks ever. The car was like almost like ski jumping down this thing. Jumping all over horrendous like stones, and we got to the bottom. And he was like, "Oh wow, that was awful!" Like, and I'm sort of like almost shaking because the road was that horrific and that steep. I was like, "What the hell was that road?" And he's like, "Oh well, last time I came down in it, like a, a sort of Land Cruiser pupil carrier thing that was designed for like harsh terrain driving." And I was like, "Well, my car's like a Toyota Starlet at the time, or a Citroen C3, and it was absolutely battered." So I was like, "Sometimes you've just got to kind of." You've got to trust your system, but you've got to make sure that everything you do 
gets added to that to-do list because the sad the problem with using one is that you then trust it so you're not going to think well what's not on the list because you could spend days and weeks worried about what's not on the list and then you know you're going to miss something but like i say emissions will happen you're only human and if you manage to do it right all the time and you can actually get when i talk about going beyond the to-do list you've got to actually focus on doing the work this should be a quick process so i try at the beginning of the working day use it as almost like a kind of a work icebreaker if you like where i just say right where am i at what do i need doing and then you've got to kind of deal with the the stress of kind of just having to do it and the bit that i don't do very well and this sounds very sort of obvious actually and it sounds obvious as i say it and i don't really understand why after almost two years in this job that i haven't done this religiously from the start is that when you've got your well, what i call your red tasks in the today they're all marked red which has the benefit of being flagged in your emails as well as a category i then don't put them into like which order i want to do them in and then what i often don't do is just start at the top and just work down because sometimes and this is a confidence thing i think is you've got to have the confidence to just leave task number four and five until you've done one, two, and three. Because I sometimes find myself, you know, going through going, oh my God, that's due. Oh God, they're, they're definitely going to email in saying, where's the work at? And then the boss is going to say this, you've had this for ages, and oh my God, what am I going to do? And as you're doing that, and this isn't, it sounds sort of like, oh, just pull yourself together, you'll be fine, you know, just get on with it. But you're going to get like, quite a lot of the time, most people who give you something want it quite quickly. Um, and you have to actually have the self-confidence to say, right, I'll aim for that for then. And then make sure you hit that. Be, make sure they, they know that if you say, I'll have that by Tuesday, that they have it by Tuesday. But there's always that, I find there's always a danger, and this comes from a, a, a desire to please, but also a desire not to upset, is to say, it's two o'clock, all right. And even though they've just given us it. And I think it's always good to know, like, when do you want it? Just say, say to people, just say, well, that's great. I've got a number of things already on my to-do list. When would you like this by? And then you've got the flexibility of sort of bringing things forward, taking things back. But you've always got to be analysing, you know, how long have has something been waiting? Um, and again, this is where you can start to get really elaborate. Like, you could say, you know, add it to to-do list on X date. But that's when you get into, like, spreadsheet territory. And it's actually better at some level just to do it. So I'm not saying get too elaborate, but for example, I've done it, and we've all done this as well, and I'm sure you have as well, where something's on our to-do list, it's non, not urgent, and it's sat there for like a week and a half. And I've had that where it's just sat there and sat there, and I thought, well, as soon as I get caught up, I'm going to do that, as soon as I get caught up, and then you never do it. So at some point, particularly if it's going to be a, um, well, the next bit of advice, I think, like I say, particularly if it's going to be a long task is, I have a, a natural default sort of approach where if I've got eight like little things to do and one beast, I've a tendency to rattle off the eight little things and then focus on the, the big task, give it my full attention. Well, actually, that proves a, a flaw in my approach because I shouldn't, you shouldn't be getting distracted from work. And this is something I don't do and I should do and it would make my life so much easier in terms of managing stress is having the ability to... Have a task on your to-do list. Completely forget about it. Like, literally, don't even think about it for a second while you're doing the task that you're on. Give that task your full attention. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how 
obvious that sounds, but how difficult it is to do. Because what I find myself doing is, let's say that I'm, I'm doing task one, and I'm thinking, right, task one, task one. Then I look at my desk and go, oh, Christ, task two is hard. And then I'll go back to task one and say, oh, shit, I'm doing task two next. Task three really needs doing, oh, dear. So I better go back to task one, and I'll do a bit more task one. Then I look at my to-do list again and say, oh, shit, task four. Whoo, maybe I can just do that right now. Just Actually, I'll just leave that. I'll do task four, get that nice tick off my list, because we all like ticking things off our list. And you can go back and forward like that, and it almost becomes like a very frenetic balancing act like spinning plates when actually it'd be far better if you said i need to spin this plate really well spin pick it off next one spin and i do think that that comes down to self-confidence to say you know we need to prioritize things and then you do it care one at a time it's very very hard to do in practice um i definitely could talk more about this i'm sure i will because I'm thinking about how I do my work and it's completely, it's, it's in that frenetic bit. I'm, ju- I'm jumping about. Oh, I don't want to get into trouble. You know, I need to do this. I want to make this client happy. I don't want them thinking that I'm rubbish, you know. Because if you take too long on something, you get given something else as well. So that's a really interesting thing. So I'm probably going to leave it there because that's been a really good discussion on to-do lists and, you know, going beyond your to-do list in terms of thinking about how you set it up, and then the actual delivery. And I think we'll come back to to delivery as a, as a wider conversation. But I think this, to summarise, I would say that it's important that you have a to-do list. Make sure it's very easily accessible, otherwise you just will spend ages not looking at it. Mine's right in front of me. And I may well do a video on how to, how to do that um, on a Microsoft account and just, you know, I showed a, a very senior manager who's now left the company and she adopted it straight away and said, I love that system. I'm definitely going to use it. Um, and I don't think she uses it, like the only system she uses, but she said it's really helpful because it's just a, it's just an easy way of doing it. But I wouldn't recommend that you go down the sort of minor work of art, you know, spreadsheet, because you don't want to spend too long on it. It's got to be quite a s- swift system. All it takes for me is for me to flag the email, which is one left click on the flag, click on the title, type in what I wanted to say, and that's it. And then drag it into the next week and colour code it with right click. And that. So literally no more than 20 seconds it'll take me to classify where it is on that list and then drag it and drop it in terms of prioritising. So even with, a, even with 20 tasks to do, it will probably only take me 10 minutes to get them on a list. And then I can get on with panicking my way through actually doing them, which I shouldn't panic, but I do. We all do. And that's another conversation for another day. But I uh, hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you took something from it. I may well be open to doing a YouTube video. So let me know if you'd like that. And uh, I hope you are all. I hope you all have very manageable to-do lists in the next few days. And I'll see you all on the next Let's Take a Moment podcast very soon. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.